Hey guys, just a heads up, this is a not safe for work podcast, so keep it in your pants until you won't get busted. <laughs> Orgasmic Terrorist, a podcast about acceptance around becoming authentic within our sexual exploration. Orgasmic Terrorist. Welcome to Orgasmic Terrace. Jenna and Sarah's here. Hi, guys. Guess what season it is? I think we're on season three. Yeah, I'm excited about this season. Um, super the, excited. Over the top excited for like months now. I wanted to do a season on BDSM, a whole season dedicated to all the stories that I've come across or people and the practices that I've been exposed to. In this wonderful, fascinating world of kink play, fetishes. I know. You, you had a little bit of a hard sale with me, I think, when you yeah. first were like, hey, I don't want to do this. And I was like, oh, God damn it. That's 13 episodes. That's a lot of the same thing. But then I was thinking we just did health in various ways last season. And mm-hmm. I also think that it preyed on, like, my hands are sweaty already. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like me finally... You and I are vastly different in this area of BDSM where you are scene queen and you go out in public and you do these things. And I do all my stuff behind closed doors. People only know about what I have told them. And for me to put myself out here in this way for 13 fucking episodes, I had to do some work around what's your deal, Pickle? What's wrong? What's happening? So I'm actually come to after all these months now really talking with you and why and the fact that we want to teach people and have people grow as our one of our main premises for our podcast. What a better opportunity than now for me to lean in and do all this stuff. So I have come to a place now where Yay. I am excited <laughs> and I hope that everybody just really enjoys it and takes what they need from it. It's always wonderful if we reach one person and we change their lives with understanding and acceptance. I'm all for it. So I'm excited. And one of my things I want to say from the very beginning, it's not that we're trying to convince people that this is no. their life. No. It's just to expose them. I found in my travels of being podcast host, I've always wanted to tell people stories. And but so you're a storyteller for sure. I am. Or and I bring people to, like I walk into people's lives and then I'm fascinated by them and I want to tell everybody about them. So when I started listening to podcasts, I immediately like, I want to do one. But then I thought, oh, who wants to listen to me? <laughs> oh, my God. Like I all know. of our listeners. But no, but that was my, my No, no, that was exactly where my mindset was. And then I tried it with other co-hosts and then the perfect person came in my life. Where is and she? I'll kick her ass. I know. I love her. She's on the screen right there. Oh, hey. <laughs> And I think we did a great job in finding my voice that I wanted to get out there. You completed me. And I thank you again, everybody. I love this woman. So you just Jerry Maguire me. Yes. The human head weighs eight pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Not three? What? I don't know. Maybe I should be talking about the human penis. I don't know if we can get an average there, but no. Especially some of the men I played with. Mm -mm -mm. My lord. Yes. When I was looking for a new co-host after the first few have fallen off. I decided that I was going to look at BDSM for information, not 
go into the world of BDSM, I was going to interview people. I would go to the sex clubs and I would go to kink nights and I would see people and I'm like, why do people like to have a cane across their penis? I have one question before. I feel like you leapfrogged a little. Like, it's even wild to me that you were just like, you had to make a decision one day if I'm going to go into a sex club. I'm going to whatever. So like you going to a sex club on BDSM nights and just the idea of, oh, I want to interview them, but this is, I can't even. That's a crazy statement there. Yeah, but I did. I talked to people. So I remember I sold up to sex clubs. Usually we just have sex at sex clubs. Okay. We talked about in our episodes on sex clubs. I've been to me. I've taken people to sex clubs just so they can have the experience. I know. I love it. Yeah, I love sex clubs. However, they would have kink nights and I, I don't have any kinks. I like vanilla sex. Oh, no, you thought. So I thought, exactly. Like, you're on top. Yay! I'm on top. Yay! Doggy. Gotta do doggy. So I was happy in that world. Okay, I thought I was. And now I'm like, fuck. Even role playing, which we'll talk about the different types of what BDSM means and kind of an overview of Not everything, but the different roles, because I want to go into that. But my thing was to even do role-playing, top, submissive, bottom, daddy, girly, daddy, all those. So many. Fascinated me. Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Age play. Like, why do people want to be in diapers? It. I never thought shame about it. I just want to clarify. I've always was fascinated by why do people... Feel that. And that just plays into this whole season is going to be answering those, not maybe answering those questions, but those interviews. Interviewing with a Dom that's been in the scene for 30 plus years. Interview with a professional Dom. You have a friend that's a professional Dom. I do. Switches, which I lean towards being a switch. I personally am in my own bed at my own play. I'm a sub. But when I'm in public, I'm a Dom. Sure. Or Personas top. Are everything. top. You're right. a top daddy. Yeah. <laughs> top daddy. I, I carry a big whip. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's a paddle, and I'm going to have my name engraved on it. I don't so, carry anything. I just um, got that. Go to hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> to people I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. No, I know them all. I'm not that brave. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a, you, me. But anyways. Yes, I know who you met. <laughs> all right do we maybe we should start off with the term of like why don't you say what bdsm actually means just start there and then we'll go yeah. from there so bdsm is a b a d and an s and an M, but it means bondage dominant submissive and masochist not submissive. or sadist but it's i've seen it in many different ways so this is the other thing that we'll get into we're getting into how people break it up but it's dominant and then sadist, masochist, or dominant, submissive, masochist. I've seen it. Yeah, so, I've heard yeah. several different ways. And you know what? We're not here to argue. If you guys no. hear something, like, it's fine. There's also Google, and you can look it up, and you can also make decisions for yourself on what you want it to mean. But we're just basically giving an outline. Right. And we're also giving our layers of experience or our exposure to the scene. Yeah, too, for you know, sure. Like- this is just for people to contemplate and... Definitely not advocating for everybody to go out and join a BDSM lifestyle. It's not for everybody. It's definitely specific and unique to each person. 
and different for each person. So all open minds here today, my lovelies. One of the things that I found in my research is that the term BDSM actually was coined or used prevalently in, starting in 1991 as the definition of the scene. I thought it was younger than that, the term. I thought it was like more in the 2000s. I didn't realize it was out there since 91. If we're going to be legit, you can go back to queens and kings. Correct. Like it has always been a part, whether it's been a forefront or a dirty little secret, no bones about it. Like it's been around for a long time. I think there's BDSM scene more, like you're saying, but definitely when did Fifty Shapes come out? Oh, I'll tell you that. The term BDSM started in as the definition. Okay. The term was in 91. That's what I meant. Because kinks have been around and paddling's been around since God's. According to torture and everything else. (laughs) The Japanese culture has their version of BDSM in their histories. The Greek gods have their BDSM. Look at at all these different, like we are, they are, we, I'm identifying. We are dotted throughout history, whether you wanted to term it that or we had the language or not. It's been around. But so in the 90s, you're saying BDSM was the term. And wasn't that born out of the swinger? kind of ideologies it was used in a, it was called a use net post was the initial first recording of it Usenet. okay when i was a little girl back in my naughty times and would be shamefully in the closet do you remember the book which we'll talk about pop culture later in the season but do you remember the book joy of sex no the part that I loved about this book it was a book that was pretty much in every household in the 70s I remember 70s. you talked about it yeah. yeah, that they had. And I have the three versions of it. They're really interesting, fascinating, but they also put the histories in it, like the history of sex. And like their Japanese art actually depicts sex. And also there was, what was the other culture? So you they had the artwork, Sandra? the Greek culture and their statues. They all had their own form of it. In those forms of sexual depictions, you yeah. could also find BDSM markers, what we would consider. Yeah, I mean, Rome was wildly sexual. And same with, again, Middle Ages and royalty. There was so much more acceptance and prevalence for bi-ness. And it was completely fine. It's only been as we've gone forward with this greater Christian movement. And now we're shamed into being ourselves because it's against this or it's against God or whatever it is. It's so wild that we are where we're at now. <laughs> it right. drives me insane. <laughs> so you asked a question earlier. Um, Fifty Shades of Grace's book, the erotic novel, came out in 2000, the first installment, 2011. Yeah. So and I feel like that kind of really slammed this greater talk about it onto the scenes. Because you have this woman that is writing, you know, like a man would writing how a man would talk and it was so naughty and titillating and i thought the books were shit (laughs) they were they were not great i did not appreciate it and that was just from hey you have this whole other story but every single thing that's not about sex like the sex scenes and the bdsm scenes were chapters long and then you'd have this whole other story that was like meh paragraph back to the sex scene so for that in itself the stories are shit, but obviously it was titillating. There's some things that I found were fucking a little odd, but 
I think it became a bigger coffee table conversation, water cooler discussion. That right. Type of, just because now you've got these 50-something-year-old women that have never had exposure to any of this. And oh my God, it's not wasn't like the typical romance novel where you're wooed and his quivering member and all this stuff. It's no, bitch, I'm going to beat you. And just for the record, I'm going to say it again. If this guy was broken living in a trailer, he'd be in jail. But because he's a billionaire... And he's hot. Fine, fine, fine. It's It was wild to me. But it was the first time I think I'd ever heard about contracts. I don't think I appreciated or understood how prevalent that is. in Because I've never done one. I've never had to. I've never done that. So again, you can be in BDSM for years and turn around and be like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And it's not that you're an asshole it's just that it wasn't your thing. Like when you find your thing, you tend to focus on your thing. So I'm still learning all the time. And whether I just choose to make that part of my routine or not is my choice. But I think it started this whole kind of movement around, oh, this is out here. This is really happening. Like this shit does happen. And so I will be grateful for that. <laughs> well, and the, the, the I thought that exact same thing. That was exactly the way my brain worked when I saw Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the story of O, which was like the first story of dominance and submission. And she was basically a slave and lived in that lifestyle because in other countries, that was actually the way they were raised. In America, it was a decision or it was forced yeah. on you in the before the 70s and the 80s. But. I thought exactly that Fifty Shades of Grey came out and then the whole BDSM world just exploded. No, actually, I found in all of my studies, they were always here. You had munches that were always happening, which is, sure. and you had people having house parties and you had the swinger events, just like there are swinger events everywhere. There were BDSM events or impact parties or considered underground they were in the house or they had dungeons like San Francisco has mean, I think it's a more prevalent conversation now where people are definitely right. putting in their two cents than all of it all of this ethically non-monogamous all of these munches and meet and greets and swingers and poly and you know novogamy and RA like all of these relationship styles have really only been fostered or coming out into mainstream I would say in the last prevalently maybe five years. And I've been part of the lifestyle for 13. Facebook helped when you could have your private Facebook groups. I was in a Facebook group that was private and we used to share pictures all the time. Right. And there was 300 people in there and it became your community. And it was such a good informative thing. There were so many wonderful conversations and information. And I think within the community that I'm in up here, it really drove everybody to become more educated to get to know people better, to just celebrate who you are and like what you like. And this, these are conversations I would never have with <laughs> monogamous people. Like it's just those, that's not something that's appropriate really to talk about. Think about before you got into like lifestyle or kink or BDSM, how many times, sure, you would talk to your girlfriend about, I got dick down last night <laughs> and it was like, great. But we weren't like having... I certainly wasn't having these in-depth conversations and being really vulnerable by being on. And I don't even want to say vulnerable. I want to say 
I'm switching my gears when I'm saying vulnerability to intimacy. I feel like vulnerability can be a negative thing if you feel like there is some harm that can come from you being honest. So I have switched it to intimacy. For me, it's these are these intimate conversations with these people that I have shared experiences with that I've never shared with before. And then to open up, I think it's like that thing where if you haven't experienced it, it's hard to explain. But once you experience it and you have a group or a community, it allows you to then show up for yourself and have these conversations with these. It's like church. How about right. that? I'll just blanket statement that. <laughs> I am not a religious person, but for me, I love churches because I love that everybody gets to go and worship and do the things that they want to be doing and be held and celebrated in their faith, in their whatever their needs are. BDSM is like a church to me, right? Like it's not something that I had in my life for the longest time. And then once I got it, or even ethical non-monogamy, I'll say that more than BDSM, it opened this whole other well in me of, oh, I can, I'm not the only person that thinks about sex 24 hours a day. I'm not the only other deviant that does this or does this. I don't have to be shameful about it. There is a community out there for me and they're supportive. Just Breathe, life, relationship, and intimacy coaching. Are you struggling with trauma or relationship issues? Do you feel like you're stuck in patterns that are holding you back from living your best life? If so, it's time to take the next step towards healing and growth. Hi, my name is Jenna. I'm a life relationship and intimacy coach with over four years of experience helping individuals and couples overcome complex challenges related to intimacy, sexuality, and communication. I specialize in working with clients who have alternative relationships, clients that struggle with trauma, and teaching communication skills. Together, we can create a safe and supportive space for healing and growth and help you build the skills and tools you need to move forward with greater resilience and self-compassion. As a relationship coach, I also provide practical tools and communication strategies that can help you strengthen your connection and build a deeper, more fulfilling relationship. Whether you're struggling with conflict, feeling disconnected, or simply looking to deeper your connection with your partners, I'm here to help. I believe everyone deserves to have happy, healthy, fulfilling relationships and a satisfying sex life. And I'm committed to helping my clients achieve those goals. If you're ready to take the next step towards greater intimacy, connection, and pleasure, I invite you to schedule a consultation with me today. You can do this by visiting my website at justbreathewithjenna.com. I offer a free 30-minute intro session. Help is only a click away. Let me help you find the answers that are right for you. They're wildly supportive. And I feel like the friendships that I have that have been based out of my ethical non-monogamous journey are far more deep and fulfilling and trustworthy than Mm -hmm. I would say any of my mono relationships are because I can't, I don't feel appropriate sharing this part of me. Now, plenty of people know in my life for sure, but there are definitely people that don't know. And I'm just like, I, I can't even imagine having the conversations with them. And so it has put those relationships on a lower platform. I still love them. I'm still friends with them. But if I'm going to talk like friends for friends and the friends that I have today, every single one of them are ethically non-monogamous. And I think it's because you have to have conversations. You have to talk about trust. You get to be who you are and nobody's like, she's a fucking whore. You know what I mean? Like it's such a different version. 
So I love that. I think when I first came out of the closet, I was trying to get rid of my shame spiral that I was in or my shame. Is that one? Is that appropriating? (laughs) I don't think you're gay. (laughs) Well, this is true. All right. (laughs) The BDSM closet. The trunks? No, actually, it was just the coming out of the church closet, per se. There you go. Where I was ashamed of my sexuality. And I was having sex like three or four times a week with strangers. When I started to find my community around that, of course, the guys are all for it. But the girls in my life were still like wanting to shame me at the time. But then when I found a community that they're just as crazy about sex or play. Yeah. I can tell them any of these stories and not feel shamed. Matter of fact, I feel reveled in it. They were like, oh, you did a good job. Oh, I've done that before. You know what I also have done? And add to it. That's where I think the inclusivity is important. And with BDSM, there are people out there that this is their whole life. They've lived this since not 70s, 80s. Now, I'm so happy for them. I am too. That, that just living your life of passion and whatever that means, whether that's job, personal, sex, whatever. It's such a wonderful way to live and to think that I just go back in my head and if I would have had the language and the understanding in the community so long ago, right? the harm, I would have saved myself. Just for me alone, just the decision, the poor decisions that I made because it is like being locked away, right? You have right. all of these things and feelings and thoughts and you have nowhere to express them. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I thought it was funny. One of my favorite lines that I've heard from a comedian talked about BDSM. And it was actually like 2018. And I can't remember what their name was. The line has stuck with me. So let me tell you the line. I love BDSM. I love playing in the BDSM world because it's the laziest sex I've ever had. Because all I had to do is get was tied up there and lie there. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. It's, I don't know. You have pillow princesses in any type of sex. Right. And that pillow princess too, where you just do these things to me and I'm not going to put any effort and you can fucking step off a short pier with that attitude. <laughs> That's not going to. I'm going to be like, oh, so we're done right now. We're not even finishing. I'm bored. Like I'm bored. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no. but, yeah. I think that, I don't know. I'm just super glad that we're on this journey. I guess I'm going to go back to that. And To be able to be intimate with our listeners and with each other. Think about how much we've learned from each other. I feel like our friendship has been so much more immediate and true. And you're my girl. Oh, you're way my girl. (laughs) Because of the, we're just honest. You have to want to know the empathy is there. The listening skills are there. The communication skills are there. I just feel like it's this odd shoots and ladders and you just slide down the chute real quick to get to where you go instead of having to climb this ladder to get to where you want to be. You know what I mean? Yes. And I also feel that there's no judgment. Like you can tell me anything. Yeah. I'm not scared that you're going to go away or look at me like, I mean, we definitely have both been like, what the fuck? But it's (laughs) in that nature. I'm sure everybody can hear the smile in my voice of, oh my God. But it's never, oh my God, you're fucking disgusting. What's wrong with you? Freud was right. We're all sexual deviants and only him and his elk can fucking save us. That's not how I feel. I just feel like 
shit, that's a thing. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> All right, as long as you're okay, that will never be for me. But then I say that and then the rabbit yeah. holes that I've gone down. Well, and that's my story. So I want to tell my story of how I got into the BDSM world actually was because of the podcast. I was starting yeah. to do the podcast because I wanted to share my knowledge that I've learned about my shame and how I've overcome it. Through psychology, I was finding out my own research and studying people and also reading a little bit that people in the BDSM world are some of the most sanest sexual people out there. They know what they get off on. Now, that is not always true. We'll talk about some of the pros and cons later, but I did run into some of these amazingly sound people, sound in their body, sound in their sexuality. They were so happy with where they were at in life and what they have been through. And they were masters or doms or whatever term you want to put their title on. And I'm like, how did you get there? So yeah. an example I talked about, I paddled the Pope's ass at the sex club, which is yeah. one of my favorite stories. That was me going to the sex club with my business card for the podcast going, I'd love to interview you. That's how I got into it. I went to the sex club one night on a Halloween. The Pope was there. I paddled his ass. I actually got turned on by that. <laughs> I was handing out my business cards telling people I'd love to interview them because I think this is fascinating. One of the gentlemen that was there, he goes, I'll teach you whatever you need. And he was an engineer. So everything was, you know, like... Oh, yeah. All step by steps. There was no emotion in it. It was, which was awesome because I learned from that. I learned quickly in that world. Like he told me, okay, this is what you're looking at when you're paddling and this is what you're looking at. More analytical than emotional. Exactly. And it wasn't like how to feel their body because I already had that down. Like I could read people really well, but I didn't have the technical skills. Well, he was giving me the technical skills. So I met this gentleman, we signed up, I went over to his house and did a couple sessions with him. But I was missing something because it was too technical. I was missing the whys, the what am I there for? I didn't know about subdrop, which we will have a whole episode on. I didn't know about aftercare. I didn't know about consent, really. I didn't understand all these Contract. other elements yeah. to the story. Or to the picture. So then I had gone on, somebody had told me to go on FetLife, which is a an adult website. And I registered and I went through the classifieds and got hooked up with some people locally to me. Like a gentleman that was two miles away from my house was a master trainer. And I started going over there and getting trained on how to in do impact, the different levels of impact. But your training to be a top. With a him. Dump. A master. Not, not a sub. No. Yeah, no, I was going to be a master. In back of my mind, I could see myself being the dominatrix because I think that's the sexiest. The woman with the leather skirt and the high heel boots and yeah. all the chains and all the whips hanging behind her. That was me in my head. I'm like, I'm going to do that. But that is not really what a dominatrix is. It's not just getting pleasure off of hitting people and just grabbing something and taking control of the person that, that is on their cross or on their and on their hands mercy. or yeah. wherever you're whatever the scene set up it was not like that at all it was more profound and i just loved it i loved the feeling i loved reading people's body and seeing how they're getting impacted and then i was jealous so i put out on fet life that i wanted to experience a good top 
because my master, he was full. He had all of his women's slots filled. A baby girl, he had a girlfriend, he had a, a play partner, and I didn't want to be just another number. I really wanted to find somebody to play with. And that's how I found my last lover. And he took me to places as a sub. I was his sub that I will cherish forever. They were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, it's not a thing. I'm just going to make this statement. Knowing what I know now and the benefits, me personally, that I receive from being part of the BDSM community and what it does for me, I can never not have that in my life. sexually and or non-sexually like i think a lot of people immediately go to everybody's fucking and everybody's doing all this stuff where bdsm you can actually we were talking about fidelity earlier like you can remain like that with your partner because there's so much bdsm that is actually not sexual right it doesn't have to bdsm doesn't just satisfy sexual urges It, it really can sort out a lot of Thanks. It it can help heal around traumas. It can help look at how much you've blossomed by doing it. I've blossomed by doing it. I I can never I until I'm old and gray. I'm already old and gray, but until not old. I don't know. I just can't ever not see that. Right now, I'm 45. Like I got years to go. I can't imagine a sex life for me specifically that doesn't include that. Of not having a partner that can provide that. And again, for me, it doesn't always have to be sexual. It really doesn't. I just need a good sorting out. I call it an attitude adjustment, right? (laughs) And in whatever way, whatever that means, normally it's a pretty deep session with flogging and canes. And I'm not so much on penetration when I'm in that mode. It's definitely more like beatings, like that type of stuff. And then again, all the work that you have to do around being okay with that. But if you look at it, like people that practice BDSM have lower levels of depression, they have lower levels of anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of that stuff was huge for me. Better mental health. Yeah. Better mental health. Like just, and I think it's that thing where it's just you're accepting who you are and how much relief that inspires in you or gives you as well as having a community that you can celebrate this in right it's the whole thing when we're talking about america right now and how hurtful and impactful it is to not support trans people to not support gay people to not support any of the lgbtqia spectrum these people are just being themselves and not having support that's why they're so huge in suicide it's awful So to have, and this is coming into BDSM is nowhere near coming out of the closet or any of, I'm not saying that my journey is even remotely like that. But what I am saying is it is akin to accepting these things about yourself and really thinking and being mindful and sitting and processing in it and having support. And I think that it's so fucking paramount for anybody in any area of their life to have those things. So that's what it's done for me. I've I've benefited greatly from all that stuff. And I actually think it's improved my orgasms. You you made a comment Uh, just a little bit ago that you you're and we are the orgasmic terrorists. But (laughs) you had said that sexual intercourse or penetration isn't part of your play. I, on the other side, when I am in a sub mode, penetration and the impact and the pain and the association of the orgasms are so unbelievably intense. 
And they do go hand in hand with me, contrary. So I, I see it's the not that I don't have orgasms though without penetration. Right. This has given me so much more understanding about my anatomy, my physiology, how my body works, how my body right. responds. Like I would have never said fucking five years ago, slap me in the face. You're right. <laughs> in my mouth. Like I there was this inherent thing of I don't want to be degraded. No degradation for me. That's not true. I can, I definitely love a certain degree of that, but I can certainly orgasm off of just nipple play, which yeah. had never been a thing for me. I can certainly orgasm off of a good flogging session. I'm way more sexual and in my body during, I would say, BDSM session because it demands my attention. Even though I am a trans person, it demands your attention. Now, dem- clarify trance not trans right not trans trance so there's three types of sexual categories so there's trance which is definitely me where when we're fucking my eyes roll around my head i am in some other i'm not on this world right and that could be like i'm just not there i'm present but i'm Mm -hmm. not like making eye contact i'm just like in it i'm just gone i'm not going to be able to talk to you and then there's person connected which is you want to have connection with your person. So like I have a partner that allows me very well to go into my trance state. And then when they need connection, they'll bring me out of it. Hey, come back to me. Come be with me for a second. So it brings me back out into that interconnected person. So I can give the stare in the eyes and be intimate that way. And they can re-gauge where I'm at. Okay, she's not completely She's not in the multiverse. Like she's here. (laughs) Well, holy shit. And then there's role play, which is a whole nother way to lose yourself in other worlds. I'm a trans person. That's what trans means. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Because we talked about it before, but it's always something I think important that people understand these different elements. Like I know that the last time I was playing with somebody, we did the role play and I actually got comfortable doing the baby girl and the daddy thing, which are was, we age playing? No, baby girl? it's literally are we just baby daddy, baby girl and daddy. And so maybe can you explain what that is? I'll let you explain. So that. what that ended up being for yes. me was giving him a, a nickname or a name in that scene and the respect. So like he was definitely a top in the scene or in the actual experience of it and he was taking control like he told me where to go and how to be and and then he wanted respect back so it was always thank you daddy and i appreciate that baby girl appreciates daddy and it's just it would be the same thing as saying master but in i never could get comfortable myself with the word daddy because i couldn't detach it from my dad and and there's no right or wrong there no there isn't That's what the wild part is, like as open and communicative and like intimate as this community is, it's got its fair share of that's not how you do it. That's not this. That's not that. And to you all, I say, fuck you. If it's healthy (laughs) and it's fine and I am healthy and sane and happy, it's none of your fucking business. It's I get so irritated and sad with as saying like how intimate our relationships are and how good friendships are because of this connection to have some one poly go that's not poly and that's not how you do it this is poly and you should be ashamed as you know what these people have had these conversations and this is what feels right for them and this is what works for them you are no better than a karen shut your fucking mouth 
If it doesn't work for you, scroll on. You don't have to be a warrior. If they're asking for advice, if they're asking for opinion, you don't have to be an asshole. You can say, hey, that doesn't really work for me and I don't understand it. These are like the things that I would have an issue with in there. Have you thought about that? But you don't get to tell people how the fuck to run their lives. I don't care who you are and in what we're talking about. So just know out there, everybody, there's no fucking right or wrong answer. It's you're going to go on a journey. You're going to figure it out. And truly, I guess the right answer is going to be whatever feels healthy and sane to you. That's the only important thing. Nothing else matters. I don't care what you think, Sarah. I don't care what my husband thinks. I don't care what a potential partner thinks, which is all lies. I care immensely. But (laughs) at the end of the day, it's not going to stop me from being who I am and being authentic. And that is going to do me more great than accepting the identity that you're trying to give me. Oh, that's sorry. I just pissed me off for a second. I've seen that lately and it's been really disappointing. So yeah, that's quit judging people. That's all I got to say. Come to the point that it's this whole learning curve. That's why we do this podcast anyways, is that we're trying to help people with their learning curves or their knowledge, right? Maybe not learning curves, but their knowledge. And I think that we we're sexual creatures we want truth and honesty but we don't know how to get there sometimes and i think the communication which we've talked about many times is a good factor in helping people get there this is another form of communicating is learning we learn to build our knowledge and to and not i don't want to say judge but that's what's coming to mind and not judging people for it and so i right up there with you 100 it's another obviously we're not as well the popular as the abysmal 50 shades but it gives people another platform just think before we were in this lifestyle ethically non-monogamous or kinky lifestyle again we weren't having conversations i wasn't being educated there was no place for me to go to to figure out and sort out who i was if you go on the psychological side it's wow i'm really fucked up i like this shit or i might like this shit like at the time it was all fantasies about i can healthily say that far before I took part in any kink or ethical non-monogamy, there was always fantasies. Right. And that's where I always went. And in that mononormative culture, it's, oh, you're a total deviant or you're a whore or you're a this. You said it yourself. Like how many of your friends were like, Jesus, whore. But you couldn't tell them. You couldn't talk to them about it because there's shame attached to it. And in this community, we're just like, fuck it. Yeah, there's shame. There's jealousy. There's envy, there's all this shit, but we're more, I feel, open and available for communication and to sit and do the process it. Sit in the emotions, figure out where it's coming from, figure out if it's a harmful thing to you and you're doing this for somebody or if it's, no, this is, I really do like this and I don't have to be ashamed of it. Now, I think, I don't think mine's shame-based, but again, wildly different. I'm so private. And you are so out there where (laughs) I am weird because I think in our lives and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you're more you and extroverted now than maybe you were growing up the way that you did. And so you were more shy, more quiet, more prim and proper or as never proper, but I was prim. But (laughs) then so you hit this thing and you're like, out and proud and I love it and I fucking love that for you where I think like in my life growing up I was always talked shit about it it didn't matter 
at any time in my life. Like before I was even having sex, I was a slut. I was a whore. I was a this because I was a pretty girl in a small town. And that's how that shit went. It's just super judgmental. So I think in, when I have had experiences in, in, in the lifestyle and in BDSM where it's like, what's Jenna doing? And then I hear because I have this wild, huge group of friends, like it's like telephone. So something would happen. And then I would have a friend weeks later and so far removed from the actual whatever had happened with me come and be like, oh, I heard you did this. Oh, it's all the talk. Like I literally, um, the, the Dom that we're going to interview sideswiped me, not on purpose, but was like, so I, so you're all the rage in this group. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, oh my God, like everybody sees you because I was new to it. It was a BDSM private Facebook group and I joined and I hadn't really paid attention to the people that were already in there. I just was doing my own research, right? Go out there and get in groups and read the conversations and be part of it and learn for yourself. And so I hadn't realized that he was in there and several other people were in there. And so I posted what was a fanny picture. And he was like, oh, my God, like all of the subtexts have been like how bad people want to beat you and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't like that at all because no one engaged with me on that photo. There was like a couple little like fire emojis or whatever, but I didn't have anybody having any type of conversation with me. But then come to find out, I've been a massive topic of conversation in this other private thread with God knows how many people and God knows who. So that kind of freaks me out. I think I'm just so tired of people speculating and talking about me that I got really private in this because it's, I hold it so sacred. Like it's something that somebody can't really take from me. And there's only a few people that have experienced that side of me. They are very important to me. There are reasons that they have. And the people that have, I felt, breached that trust are like, I'm not even friends with them anymore. Like, I can't even do it because it's such a big deal to me. So Mm -hmm. again, there's no like right or wrong way. And I feel like this podcast this season is going to be a growing edge because I have a face now. I'm speaking my own story. (laughs) People can pay for our Patreon and actually see me. But my voice is out there and it's going to be out there for everybody to listen to. And so everything I say, somebody's going to know. And I feel like I've come to a place of I feel a little empowered by that because for me, it's my story and it's coming out of my mouth. And I'm not fucking hearing like the comments that I hear now is like, oh, you said this in the podcast. So I didn't feel like it was a problem to talk to other people. I had this happen, actually. One of my partners was like, oh, I told my other partner this and it freaked me out. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I'm okay." And we talked about it again recently and they were like, it was in the podcast. So I didn't think you cared. And I was like, oh, fuck, Mm -hmm. like you're right. It was in the podcast. Yeah, I guess technically I shouldn't have any issue with you telling your partner this when I put that out there. But it it hit me like a ton of bricks of, oh, fuck, like people are listening. Yeah. to my story. I am the one that is saying the things about me. And now people are going to know. And I'm not, we're not talking about sex. We're talking about like sex. And I'm yes. being honest and I'm like putting myself out there. So I feel like this is a huge growing edge for me. And I'm nervous. I'm not anxious about it. I'm coming into this wonderful spot in my life where I'm just like, fuck you, this is me. And I like, I will do the best that I can. but. 
this is not about you. This is about me. So I sure claps for you. I I'm know. So proud of, I'm so happy for oh, you. Oh, three snaps and a Z formation. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. But yeah, I'm a little nervous because again, having that situation, it's not like we're ever going to get, I don't anticipate getting so big that we have like fans going, oh my God, I like it getting it in the ass XYZ too. And me being like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess I did say that. You know what I mean? But like for sure. <laughs> uh, so Jenna, I shared my personal story of how I got into BDSM and I'm a public BDSM and private. What are you? I think to get into it. Continue what I was just saying. Mine's a uh, I don't know. I think going I think mine was also like going to the sex clubs and watching because most areas have BDSM areas, right? And then some have just become such a scene queen type of place that you can't get to the bar without running into somebody doing something for a show. And I think it was just that type of thing where I would just be like horrified. You see him up on the cross or you see him getting spanked with a cane or you, and I was just like, what the fuck? Owie. But then I would go home and be like, I wonder what that feels like. And then being in the EM lifestyle, because I've stated previously, like, that's not really my husband's bag. He'll do it for me. It's not a problem. But for me, I need somebody that also has the same level of interest because otherwise I get pulled out of really what I want or what I need from that thing. So I had a partner at the time whose partner did not like BDSM either. And we got to talking and we were like, oh, so we should do this. So legit went to Amazon and bought like the most basic bag of BDSM stuff. So it had a feather tickler and it was actually quite crammed. It came with cuffs. It came with like a real tiny leather flogger. It came with a ball gag. It came with so like all these dirty things that I had never really tried. And we went to a hotel room and had like this. <laughs> it was so funny the amount of preparation that him and I did. We're like, okay, what about safe words? And what about this? And what about that? And like over, I think we did it right in the fact that we talked about everything and then ended up needing like basically nothing. And we had talked before in a previous episode about like red, yellow, green, and you had blue and I had beige or you had beige and I had blue or something like that. But had this wonderful night. And then unfortunately, like right after that, through no fault of our own, like circumstances changed and we never got to play again. So I'd had this taste of it. I went to a hotel room and I got tied up to some like closet rail and I got spanked and I was blindfolded and I was wearing a sexy lingerie, which was not a thing for me. And just was as tame as it was really titillating and really, oh, fuck, like that's okay. So then just getting more comfortable and like talking to more of my partners about, hey, I have this interest. Are you interested in pursuing anything and just finding partners that are like, oh, yeah, like I would be down to do that. And then my first Dom, horrible relationship, but he was super into BDSM and knowledgeable and for years had done these things. So I am like a, a jump in the deep end or I was definitely with him because it, it went from fluffy bunnies. <laughs> To down the rabbit hole with Alice and how far can we go and safe words and all of the things that I didn't know I was interested in. And I went deep and hard, but it's easy to do with somebody that also 
loves doing deep and hard stuff. So then when I lost that relationship, I was just fucking devastated. Because again, that takes a lot of trust, right? right? You are allowing somebody to physically hit you in different ways. So just to clarify, you were the bottom or... I was, I'd never been submissive. I've always been alpha in every aspect of my life. I run, I'm the, like almost the female matriarch in my family behind my great, my aunt. And just have, I, I've always, I'm the little sister and I'm the oldest sister, depending on which parent you're at. So <laughs> I've always just been this kind of boss ass bitch that don't tell me what to do. That's not how this works. Like you're adorable, but then just being and you, I, I feel like a lot of women come to submission that are the same storyline as myself. Is you're so tired of always making the decisions. You're so fucking tired of always being the one to manage everybody and to take care of everybody to make sure everything's happening. And there's a lot of people pleasing in that one for me. That it was so nice to like. I don't have to think of anything. I'm going to be told exactly what to do. That's hot. I've never allowed myself to be dominated because fuck that. So you're taking, even in a non-sexual way, there was no way you were ever getting over on me. I've worked with boardrooms full of 30 men and have put them all in their places. I have done the same with aggressive women that treat other women like shit. I hold my own. I can stand on my own. I'll need you. I'll need them. I'll fucking do it. But to have this whole dynamic shift, to be incapacitated in ways of like bondage. I'm not saying I got knocked out or drugged people, so relax. But, and some people like that stuff, so there's no judgment there. Just to hand over the reins of control and let go and not know. Because I am such a catastrophizer. And by that, it, it doesn't all have to be bad stuff. But if something happens, I will put myself through that scenario 25 times trying to figure out which path is the one of least damage or the best scenario, I guess we could say, if we're coming from a place of yes. Like, I don't have a choice. You do because the submissive is the one in control. And let's be very clear about that. We have not addressed that yet. The doms run the scene, but the submissives are the one in control. And I think that is a very unique power dynamic where you feel as the sub for me, you're not helpless. So like you are the one. We're going to actually define the roles more. And I really do want to drill that down. Over the years, I I know what that means, but it, nobody's ever explained how yeah. that is. So that's definitely, that's episode number two. Yeah. I think for me, it was just like having, just giving up that control, freed my mind up, having these things done to me and then being checked in with, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And I'm like, keep going. And I keep going. And I keep going. And there was a lot of soul searching in that for me. Again, there are things that I fucking like that are not mainstream shit. If I want a good BDSM session, I'm probably going to get slapped in the face. I'm not talking like knocked out or slapped to be hit, although some people like that stuff too. But I'm talking a good slap to the face. Okay. Or shit being in my ass, shit being in my pussy, fucking being tied up, being gagged. 
drooling. I love the dom sub scenario. I am a I am a baby. That's my dom or daddy baby. I love that dynamic. I love feeling that like romance, I think that comes with it for me. I love that word. I hadn't put that there, but it was it, there was some romance when to me it's I, very yeah. romantic when you know how you doing, baby, or you get that hard hit, and then it's you got that soft, just gentle touch, and it's just very intimate to me. So I always found as weird as that is. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're not. I, you didn't say it was weird, but as odd as it is, yes, I find BDSM like very romantic. Yes. In an odd way. Well, I like the baby, the whole like the daddy thing was there was some romance involved. It was like a, our own little dialogue. Of, yeah. Oh, daddy, please. There, there was a lot. so uncomfortable saying it now. It cracks me. I do because I was yeah. in the moment. I was totally in my body right now. I just want to go. Bleh. No, that's not it. Because it, it was in the moment. It was, there was so much to being with yeah. him. It was amazing. Yeah, I liked, and I'm also a brat too, where I think that's where the alpha side comes out. Like, I'll just be a brat, just be a brat. And then mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do, spank me? Oh my God, that's fucking terrible. So, you know, there that's a whole other dynamic. And you can, again, make that any type of way that you want. So I think after that real, what I felt was a real BDSM relationship for a year and three months, which blew my mind constantly like it was just a constant learning thing and I love learning about myself I love accepting new parts of myself I love sitting in the emotions and figuring out like is this truly healthy for me like why would I do this to myself what is it about me that's broken that can accept this and instead of wow see yeah I guess I had that too in some way we yeah I definitely had that too And I think that's the psychology that we're talking about is why it's so healing is if I'm going to continue to do this, it behooves me to do the work. So yeah, I did have to sit down. And instead of me coming from the negative, because I'm always such a negative person about myself, what the fuck is wrong with me? It was like, why do I need this? Let's switch the verbiage. Let's not be negative. What is this about this that's actually feeling healing to me? Why do I I feel empowered? Okay, why do I feel empowered? I know that I have given up control, but I know I still have control. I know I have the power to stop this if I don't want it. Okay, isn't it fucked up that you don't want to stop it? No, I think I'm processing different traumas that way. I think in my normal life that isn't sexual, I have this endurance complex, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that I have to be alpha because... It's more of an endurance thing because of the childhood trauma that I went through. This isn't as bad as I've ever had it before, so I can just deal with this. So it's like this unwritten test in my head that I'm constantly giving myself of like my pain tolerance. Like, bitch, you've been through worse. You can do this, right? So I did have to have, you know, there's some wild pendulum swings when I first got into it. I've still only said my safe word twice, and that was within the last year. And that was a very, the partner was like, You've never said it. Are you down for me trying to get you to say it? And I was like, that's interesting because I felt like there's been plenty of times where I probably should have used it. But again, it becomes that endurance mind game in my head. And so this time it was like, oh, it was like I was given permission, not that I needed it, but it was like this, oh, yeah, let's try it out. And sure shit, 
two times in a row real fucking fast. So I think that was another level of acceptance that I'd given myself. So for me, I don't look at it like I'm fucked up or I'm broken or whatever. I'm just like, what is it about this aspect of my life that can be healing in this other way? And I think it's just the empowerment of taking it back. Like the slap in the face for me as a child, I was horribly abused. I was slapped in the face all the time. Do you know how fucking terrible that is? It is so devaluing. It is so, it's just denigration and it's awful, right? It's especially with a child. Oh my God, as a child and this adult is doing this to you and it's vicious and it's malicious and it's terrible. Now it's completely mine. So in a way, I feel like I've healed for me. I'm not trying to say this is for everybody, but for me, I feel like I've healed so many of my horrible traumas through this world of BDSM, through this journey of what can I, what do I want, what works for me, what doesn't, because I can choose it or I can choose not it, right? It's my choice. So now if I get slapped in the face, it's because I've asked to get slapped in the face. Or it's a scene where we've, what kind of beating do you want tonight? And I guess that's a negotiation of a scene in a way, not to the extent that you've done it with contracts and stuff, but it's still a conversation of maybe my conversation doesn't look like, hey, will you do X, Y, Z for me? Maybe it's foreplay talk of, "Mm, daddy, I want to be like, I want you to spit in my mouth tonight. I want you to be, I want to be dirty. You know what I mean? And so your partner already knowing where you're at can already do those things going into it. Because you've had a conversation in one form or another. So for me, again, I just, I think it's enabled me to show up here and be part of the podcast and be excited about having this as my growing edge, which is fucking wild because I just have been so private for so long. And now I'm just like, rip the bandaid off. Like, let's, yeah. let's, let's I love talk it. about Thank you for sharing. Honestly, you talk a lot on the podcast about educating and your some of your areas that you've adjusted in your life and changed and applied the things that you talk about. It's nice that you're sharing this part. So do you have an outlet for this part of you right now? And if you don't, how is that affecting you either mentally, physically? Because I call it like, it's been a long time for me now. And I'm like, I need a fucking attitude adjustment. (laughs) That's what I call it is an attitude adjustment. There is something about having just a fucked day and then like getting an attitude adjustment just having a BDM session where it just it pushes you to be in your body and to fucking feel the things that you're trying to ignore and like process. I think that's where my most sanest zen comes from is like a good attitude adjustment. So it's funny that you bring this up. The other day, I'd gone with some friends to a BDSM party. I'd been out of the scene for a while, and we went. And I was trying to help my friend's new boyfriend get comfortable with the scene because uh-huh. he was pushing all of his boundaries, and I did. I wanted him to feel that, that we weren't all freaking crazy, that there is positives to this, and the benefits will be seen but maybe later in other words like he was uncomfortable now i checked in with him i kept making sure that he was grounded and then found out the next day that he had the most amazing sex scene with her later that night because she took all that energy home yeah and the benefit was that she got her needs met like you were talking about it had been a while it was funny because i showed up and i met this new master or top that we'll get into explaining those later 
in the next episode, but I had met this new person and we were talking and laughing and joking with my friend that was I was going to top. We ended up tag teaming her, topping her together. And it was great to get back in that giving to her that people pleasing came out where I could read her body and it seemed natural. And I had walked away for a second from the scene to, to breathe and to check in on the partner. And it came back in the scene and the other master goes, where have you been all my life? And I ran into his arms as a joke and I ended up having an orgasm that quick. No sexual contact. I literally had an orgasm. You just, I just really needed it. I and had it, it, it was absolutely, it was like I hadn't been gone. It was really a fabulous feeling. And I think it feel like that. coming home. It did. And they was open arms where you've been all my life. And I felt, oh my God, he sees me. Yeah. I don't know his name. Still don't know his name. But I had an amazing moment. And I will cherish that because I felt great. I felt seen. And Supported. I felt. Validated. Sort of. yeah. yeah. And as for my own submission play, I've, I haven't had a really good scene myself and I am craving it. I'm creating the attitude adjustment. Yeah. I'm craving getting lost in the <laughs> pain. Yeah. Of it. it. Yeah. So it's been since what? January. Oh, yeah. You're, you need it <laughs> too. Yeah. I have, I, it's, it's fucking wild, y'all. I think, Sarah, I might have expressed that to you just recently where it, not having that access right now. Now, to be fair, I needed to go away and do some healing. I had some shit go on and needed to step away and do some work on myself and really come back into my body and, and come back into being myself. Happily, that, have, that has been done. But then up until recently, I don't think that I was ready quite ready or at least was not in the mind frame of thinking about it and then i we've talked about it have you watched that movie 365 days you have not i know you have no i have the italian guy the fucking it is 50 shades of gray done the right fucking way oh yeah still a a millionaire still kidnaps somebody should be in jail. Yes. But the relationship that comes out of that and the two subsequent movies after that, oh my God. I was like almost in tears. Like I'm, I've got goosebumps right now. Like I have tears in my eyes. Like I miss that aspect of me. And I didn't realize that until probably like the last month or so where I'm like, I actually feel like my mental health is being negatively impacted by the loss of that type of thing in my life. And don't get me wrong, I do have access to doms that can come do that and stuff, but it wasn't, it's not just that. It's like the intimacy and trust that I have in those dom sub relationships. And it's been a, it was a massive loss again. I feel like every, time a dom sub relationship ends for me it's like a good kick in the pussy it's fucking (laughs) awful it is literally i feel like a piece of me is dying because the way that i am 
which is not public, which I don't just go to anybody. I can't just go to a house party. I can watch like a motherfucker. But as far as me giving myself over to that's not an option for me. Like it's I'm working on it being a growing edge, but that's going to take me a long time. So I don't really have the access to that right now. And I'm, I have to tell you, like, it's fucking with me. As it is with you in different ways. Like, you just had your beautiful moment of having this orgasmic hug just by being like, I'm back. Like, I haven't had that since January. And I'm I'm getting craving it. (laughs) You're craving it. (laughs) I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it in my voice, too. So, um, mama needs to do something about that soon. Or baby needs to do something about that soon. (laughs) Mama works, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. what I had a connection recently that I was really strong and I can't just walk in and do, here's my body, take control. I have to open up a lot of things to bring people in. And, yeah. and it's not easy for me. And some days I'm somebody who has a big old whip and tell them what, what I want, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't fulfill everything. Yeah. Yeah, I am definitely, yeah, I've been nervous to not, e- E&M mm-hmm. is hard. It's it's not only supporting one partner, it's, it's supporting as many as you have. And when you crash and burn, which theoretically I feel like shouldn't have to happen because we all have language and communication and the ability to not be fucking fuckholes at the end. We're not always successful and that's okay. We're human. We're all messy humans in our own ways and it's unfortunate when it happens. But I think, yeah, it's been, I'm like, there's been moments where I've missed it so bad, but I'm also like low-key terrified because of how long it takes me to build trust now because how deep that intimate connection becomes for me when I let people lay hands on me. So I think it's just been a culmination of like processing and like finally getting to, okay, I think I am like good and ready to go. But now that I've made that decision, my body and my brain are like, so now? Okay, so now. So this time though, what about now? Okay, but this, right? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm trying, but I'm not trying. I hear you. I understand. I also don't like what I'm not doing. I'm working on it. It's that war. But yeah, it's definitely, it is an identity for me. And a lot of people don't feel like it's a wild thing. Like some people feel poly is an identity, just as being like lesbian or gay is, or navogamist or a relationship anarchist. Some people feel like it's a sexuality. And again, I'm going to say there's no right or wrong answer there. It's just whatever healthily works out for you is what you should be doing. So for me, I would say like the capabilities of Polly, it's not a sexuality to me. It's an identity for me. And this BDSM need of mine, that's it's a need. We're talking about like needs for needs are like, what do I need to survive healthily? Water, food, clothing. Like it's a need for me right. to really be mind, body, healthy and embodied. Coming this far, what are we in July? Since I started with the BDSM lifestyle five years ago, 
I think the longest I've ever been without has been maybe a month when I'd gone on vacation. Wow. I don't think it's ever been longer than at least once a week. Just Mm. once a week. So, and to see how healthily I've progressed through working through fantasies and through BDSM for me and what that means. It's like a fucking tap in my vein. Put it, put the needle in. Let's go. Which is fucking probably not great to do over. Sorry, guys. Anybody <laughs> that has maybe a trigger warning, I apologize. But I like I'm I'm looking at my beach towel that's sitting on here for my mic to not make noises. And I I'm seeing pussies as we're talking. And I don't think that they're pussies. So <laughs> there's something to be said about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just I think I'm ready. And I need to make that happen for myself. It's it's a thing. It is. It is. I, when we did our end of season and we gave a recap of where we're at and whatnot, one of the things that I had said in that end of season was that I was looking for the next adventure, not a better adventure, but the next. And I'm looking for the next thing to learn in BDSM or in relationships. Like I love learning everything that I've learned for this podcast season yeah, and meeting people and I get to talk about sex with you, which is awesome. But I also get to talk about what I'm feeling. And I really appreciate you for that. And I'm looking forward to our next 12 episodes where we're going to talk about all the different things we've learned in regards to impact, different types of fetishes and sub drop. What is it and how to take care of it? And brutal. Um, Yes. My favorite part of BDSM. Do you know what my favorite part of BDSM is? Yeah. And aftercare. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I I think we need to discuss too. I, I'm sure we will. But just if you do get yourself into a dominant submissive state, I'd like to talk about red flags and green flags <laughs> and stuff like that. There's a lot to discuss here. And it just I'm just excited for the growing edge myself, the growing edge for you, the growing edge for our listeners where they get to maybe listen and be like, oh, fuck, I'm not alone in this. I'm not, I shouldn't have shame about these things that I like. And then maybe possibly getting them out there and getting them into being more authentic and learning and experiencing and healing from these things and growing from these things. And so I'm really, I'm down. I'm ready. Yes. Thank well, kind of rambling today. I hope you guys all like that. <laughs> We're like, how do There's we start a lot this of exposure kind of going on here? <laughs> sure. And here I'm the quietest one today. And usually I'm the one that's all rambling. Oh, that is true. I was a chatty Kathy today. I know because this is my world. I love this part. But at the same time, I have been seeing there's a lot more podcasts out there about BDSM than there ever has been. So, I know. I'm really know, enjoying them too. I like too. Go listen to the other ones. We're not the only ones for sure. Please help us keep growing and yes. doing the things. We always need to have play the game. Listen, download, rate us on all of the platforms yes. that we're at. Share us as much as you can. Write in your questions. Orgasmicterrorist at gmail.com. I'm still really wanting to do like a question and answer podcast at one point. And even if you just hear this one and you are like, hey, are you guys going to cover this? Are you guys going to cover that? Please write in. We're happy yeah. to uh, do all that stuff. It's been fucking awesome. So thanks been. for the opportunity, people. Thanks for trusting well. us and listening to us and enjoying it. And I stay think- tuned.
So well, this is where we go. Go be good humans. Go be good humans and get your ass beat. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our website at orgasmictourist.com. Please don't forget to help us out by sharing our podcast and leaving a five-star review. As always, you can send us an email with your questions and comments to orgasmictourist at gmail.com.